Good morning and welcome to our Daily Word and Prayer. My name is Tom Short, so glad to have you along with us today on this Saturday morning, which also happens to be Veterans Day. So I give a special welcome to any of you who are veterans. And one way I think we can best honor our veterans, both living and those especially who've passed away in previous generations, is to honor them by remembering why they gave their lives, why they fought for their freedoms, and make sure that we re- we we retain those ourselves and help make this a nation that would honor those who gave their lives for us to be a nation under God. Amen. I'm sure I'll get a lot of you who'd agree with that. We need to move on to our topic for today. Again, thanks to their veterans, and, and we want to move on, though, to discuss what we've been looking at the last two weeks. And I was asked a question, okay, we've been identifying the problem. How do you solve it? And I'd like to talk about this very thing. People who are leaving the faith, young people are leaving in large numbers, and uh, our, our nation is changing because of a whole generation. Now we had we have two or three generations that the numbers of Christians are dropping dramatically. The campus groups, the, the size of campus groups has dropped dramatically. We do are encouraged by individuals who are getting saved, but sometimes I feel as if there's a big tsunami washing over our country, a tsunami of secularism, of unbelief, of doubt, of opposition to the Christian faith, and dare I say, we rescue individuals uh, from this tidal wave. What do we do? How do we rescue people from this tidal wave of unbelief? Well, the theme of our last two weeks has been this. There are two reasons a person rejects God's truth, the one that sounds good and the real reason. It sounds good to say, I reject God's truth. I don't believe in the Bible anymore because it's filled with errors, it's filled with contradictions, it's just written by men, science is disproved in the Bible, on and on and on, all these, all these uh, academic or intellectual arguments. And I answer those on campus day by day and find that that uh, what I've discovered through the years is that's usually not the real reason a person rejects Christ. Now, they probably think it is, and part of what we need to do is help them understand that it's probably not the real reason. It's rarely truly academic. They think it is. They're convinced it is, but it's usually something deeper. It's something more of the heart and the will than it is of the mind. There are plenty of very, very intelligent people who believe the Bible. Plenty of very, very intelligent people who who love the Bible and have and have resolved in their mind alleged contradictions or or faults or failures in the Bible. They, we've answered these questions. What's the difference between a smart person who rejects this Bible, rejects God, rejects Jesus? and a smart person who loves God, loves the Bible, loves Jesus Christ. What's the difference? It's the heart. It's the will. It's something down down here. It's not in the mind. And this is this is what one thing we have to help people understand and and uh, realize the, the where the real problem is. So when I say the real problem, we've been looking at the real reason. We've been looking at a number of things over the last 2 weeks. We've been looking at bitterness. Uh, not forgiving people who've hurt them, anger at the church because they won't forgive. We've looked at the grip and power of sexual immorality, pornography, homosexuality, these uh, sexual moral faults that grip a person in the in the in the snare of sin. Looked at choosing the wrong friends or wanting to be cool or 
or uh, wanting to fit in, or how wrong friends corrupt good morals. Bad company corrupts good morals. We've looked at a number of these reasons why people uh, re- reject the faith, the real reason they reject it. So the question becomes, what do I do about it? Do I just, is it enough to just know? Well, in James, we read this. My brethren, if any among you strays from the truth and one turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. We want to turn a sinner from the error of his way. Now, again, this might refer to a family member, you know, a brother, sister, a son or daughter. It might relate to a friend we've talked a lot about. I see in college, I get asked often, what do I think of someone who is very active in their church youth group? And now they're not interested in God at all. They've been snared by a life of sin. Do I think this person is saved and so forth? I do think there is a difference between someone who's been caught in sin and who stumbled and and caught in the in, in bitterness or caught in immorality and someone who is actually attacking the faith and denying the faith. It's one thing to say, yeah, I believe that, but I'm I'm they're defeated by sin, whether they admit it or not. And another thing to go on the attack against that this is not true, I reject it, I don't believe it and to deny Christ. So what do we do specifically with that person who just, they don't believe? They don't believe. They're not on the war path, but they just don't believe uh, in, in the truth, and they strayed away from it. My, my reason behind this series has been this. Have specific, when we, under, when we identify the problem, we can have specific directed prayers and conversations. What do I mean by this? It doesn't do a whole lot of good to spend hours talking about creation and evolution if the real problem is they're caught, they're caught up in sexual sin. The real problem is they've, they've uh, embraced homosexuality, or the real problem is they're addicted to pornography, or the real problem is they're just bitter and they refuse to forgive. You've got to identify the problem. I think it was, I, I think it was uh, Einstein who said if he was given one hour to solve the world's problems, he'd spend the first 55 minutes trying to define what it is, what the problem really is. And that's what I've been trying to do. I don't know if that quote's exact, but that's what I've been trying to do here the last couple of weeks. Let's define the real problem. If you spend a lot of your effort trying to solve a problem that is not the real problem, you're not going to make any progress. You've, I don't know if you've had this experience. I've had way too many times where I answer someone's question about the Bible only to you know, as soon as I'm, I'm answering that one, you can tell them in their mind, they're just thinking of the next question they wanted to try and stump me with. They're not listening. They're not processing, not, not interested in an answer. They're just interested in an argument. And why is that? It's because often what they're really wanting to argue about is not the real issue. It's a smokescreen. It's a diversion. It's trying to justify their unbelief. They might not realize it. And, that, and so what do we do? We meet them where they're at. We begin some discussion, but we're careful not to spend all our time there because it's not the real issue. It's just the meeting point. It's, the, it's a point of common discussion. But then what we want to do is to get to specific, directed prayers and conversations. What do I mean by that? First of all, prayer. We must learn how to pray specific prayers. 
often we pray, you know, I, I, I'm in prayer meetings, I just, Lord, save so-and-so. Lord, save so-and-so. And that's all we pray for. We need to pray such things as, Lord, so-and-so, you know, someone you know, they're caught in the gall of bitterness. Help them learn to forgive. Give them a spirit of forgiveness. Lord, we pray for so-and-so who's, who's captured in sexual morality or has become addicted to pornography. Or we pray for our son or daughter. Lord, they have the wrong friends. Help them have the right friends. Bring good people into their lives. Bring good influences into their life. These are specific prayers that we that once we have identified the problem, we don't just give general prayers. We give very specific prayers about that will solve the problem or that will address the problem. And so these are so number one, we pray that to the Lord. We ask God to deliver them from from evil influences. Yes, even demonic influences. So many of the, Jesus prayed that we would uh, that God would deliver us from temptation, lead us not into evil, but to, but to, to lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And we need to pray this specifically: Lord, protect my friends, protect my children from the temptations of sexual morality, from the temptations of bitterness, from the temptations of the wrong friends, from the t- temptations of drugs and alcohol. For, lead them not. Give, give, protect them from evil professors, evil teachers, protect them from evil friends, protect them from evil influences, and be specific. Protect them on the campus from the influences of LGBT. Protect them from uh, women who are women who would seduce them or men who would seduce them. Protect them from the drug culture. Protect them from these influences. My point is when we identify the problem, we can we can be specific in our prayers and we can be specific in our conversations and i want to encourage you to to learn how to do that how do you get to a specific conversation i think the best way is to ask questions it may not be easy but simply ask why why don't you believe in god why aren't you following god why 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 aren't you living as a christian what are what are your problems with what god says and understand that when you initiate a conversation like this, you're likely to be given the reason that sounds good. Be careful not to be sucked into a long conversation there. Address it, talk about it, but ask, besides that, are there something else? Talk briefly, so it's, you know, so again, let's take creation evolution. You know, so there's a, if they say they believe in science, not God, so we know there's plenty of people who are fine scientists who have resolved this problem in their mind, and I'm sure you could read their literature. But besides that, are there any issues that are deeper? Are there any reasons you don't want to be a Christian or any reasons you wouldn't want to follow what, what the Bible says? You'll be surprised how when you ask a question like that, how often a person will get to a deeper issue. It takes a time. It takes sometimes a little bit of time before their true heart comes out. But once it does, don't be offended by it. Don't be upset by it. Don't, don't, they're, they're, they're lost. And finally, they're being honest with you. And so be patient. Keep your poise. Don't let them disrupt you. Don't let them shake you. Keep your poise. Respect them. Listen carefully. And then begin to do some, shall we say, some heart surgery upon them. Begin to try and really talk about those issues. Maybe it'll come out they were hurt. 
They were bitter. Maybe it'll come out they think Christians are bigots. Whatever it is, begin to begin to address those heart issues. How do you address them? We want to be specific. We want to deal with the real problem. But notice what it says in 2 Timothy chapter 2. Refuse foolish and ignorant speculations. I think, by the way, this is often the, the, the problem that sounds good. These foolish speculations of problems that sound good, but they're not the real issues. Refuse those knowing they produce quarrels, fights. Be careful that we, as a fine line, we will contend for the faith, as it says in Jude 3. We want to contend for the faith, but we don't want to fight and quarrel. We don't want to let it become such an argument that that it becomes so emotional that even if a person realizes they're wrong, they can't admit it because it's become too personal, too emotional. Refuse these the quarrels. The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wrong, with gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition. If perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth, and that they may escape the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. 2 Timothy 2, 23-26. Boy, it's easy to get defensive. It's easy to take from a loved one in particular, someone you care about, to take their rejection of God personally, to take their arguing about the Scripture, to take it personally. We've got to be careful not to. Why? Because they're held captive by the devil to do his will. They're held captive by the devil to do his will. They need our compassion. We need to look and see there's something deeper here. And God may just use you or me to turn this sinner back from the air of their ways, to open their eyes to see and open their ears to hear, to open their mind to understand and even their heart to believe. But it takes patience on our part, kindness on our part. Truth, yes. Teaching, yes. Getting to the real issue, Yes, but speaking with patience and with kindness and with gentleness, not allowing it to become a fight, not allowing it to become emotional, not allowing it to to turn into yelling and screaming and accusation. And they may bring it towards you. They may yell at you. They may scream. They may accuse you. Keep your poise. Keep your, keep, stand your ground, but stand it with poise and confidence and gentleness and, and uh, hear them out. And respond with this spirit of 2 Timothy 2. And that's our hope. Now, ultimately, my friends, we don't, we don't determine what people believe. They determine. We can only do so much. Ultimately, we share the truth. We pray for them specifically. We share the truth specifically. But ultimately, it's between them and God, is it not? And so we need to leave it at that. Don't take it personally. Don't take the rejection of what we believe as a personal assault upon you. No matter what they say, it's ultimately between them and God. Keep it that way. Don't let it become personal. Keep pointing them to God. It's hard to win them. If you do, know that you, if you've turned them, you've, you will save their soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. <laughs> Excuse me. That's what we want to do. It's a, it's a spiritual battle, though, is it not? So let's pray about it. Father in heaven, we come to you today and we think of loved ones we know people who have been in our church, people who are in our family, people who we love and we care about, and they seem dead towards you. They seem uninterested, apathetic. 
Some of them, Lord, they've got their justifications, their intellectual arguments that they think justifies rebellion, pride, bitterness. So many, Lord, they're just caught in a trap. They, they may not even realize it, but they've been snared by the evil one. And so we pray today for these loved ones, these people who even come to our mind right now. We pray for them, Father, to be delivered from evil. We pray for them to be delivered from the snare of the evil one. Help us, Father, to pray specifically for their problems. We think, Lord, of those caught in the snare of sexual immorality. Lord, deliver them. We think of those who are caught in the gall of bitterness. Give them a spirit of forgiveness. Bring them these people freedom. We pray, Lord, for those who have wrong friends. We pray their friends would turn against them, and you bring good friends into their life, good influences into their life. We do ask you, Father, to protect our children, those in our youth groups, our college group, protect them from evil professors, evil influences, evil friends on their dorm floor. Lord, give them courage. Make them strong in your word. Fill them with your spirit that they might be able to resist in the evil day. We pray, Father, for these people that we love and that are in, 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 they're engaged in spiritual battle. And Lord, ones we love that are losing it, strengthen them, we pray. Bring them to repentance. Open their eyes. Help them to see. Lord, we pray before they get too far down the road, bring them to yourself, we pray. Give them deliverance. You are the great deliverer. We pray for this in Jesus' name. Help us, Father, to be gracious, kind, loving, patient, gentle, to know how to stand for what's true, to deal with the real issues, the real problems, to deal with them with firmness and and conviction, and yet not take it personally and become angry and shout and lose our patience with them. Oh, God, give us this grace. We can't do this on our own. We need to be filled with your Spirit. And so we ask for that. And help us to engage and have the conversations we need to have. Give us courage to do so, we pray. We ask all these things. Lord, we pray we love you, and we love other people. And we pray that you'd use us as ministers of reconciliation to bring those who are lost and straying into back into a love relationship with you. We pray these things and give you this day for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Okay, folks, I hope this helps. If you are wondering about the specifics, the last two weeks we've been talking about real reasons that people leave the faith. Go to my YouTube page, Tom the Preacher, and you will find right at the top there the, the last two, two weeks of videos is where you will find these various real issues. I encourage you to listen to them if you have any questions, okay? If you're new here, welcome. So glad to have you along. I hope you will subscribe to our channel and uh, come here every day. Tell your friends, like the video, and, um, and like I said, be here every day, whether live at 8.30 or, or fit it into your schedule later in the day. It's up to you. If you come live, you can be engaging in the chat, which I see is active here today. You can be engaging in the chat, uh, but you can listen and watch anytime or even listen to the podcast on the Apple, Spotify, or Google platforms. I love you guys. So glad to have you along, and we'll look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Bye-bye.